What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. Welcome to episode 323 of the Sports Yak Podcast. You mean the Bear Bryant edition? Bear Bryant. Now, him I know. The longtime Alabama football coach. Many believe the greatest of all time, although Nick Saban certainly rivaling that now down in Alabama. But Bear Bryant won 323 college football games in his illustrious career. No team more dominant in the 60s and 70s. Yes, Notre Dame was a rival. Yes, Eric Parsegan more often than not had the better of Bear Bryant. But no team in the South and perhaps in all of college football more dominant in the 60s and 70s than Bear Bryant's Alabama Crimson Tide. One of my favorite bands, Need to Breathe, lead singer Bear Reinhardt named after Bear Bryant. Do you know how Bear Bryant got his nickname? I'm hoping to find out right now. He was outside the Lyric Theater. There was a poster out there with a picture of a bear. And a guy was offering a dollar a minute to anyone who would wrestle the bear. And the guy that was supposed to wrestle the bear didn't show up. So his friends egged him on, and they let him and his friends into the picture show for free. So he wrestled the scrawny bear to the floor, went around later to get his money. The guy with the bear had already flown the coop, but he got a nickname out of the deal. Wrestle a bear for a dollar. A minute. A minute. <laughs> Back in the day when a dollar was, you know. I want to know more about the bear. <laughs> what it, bear am I wrestling? He said it was a scrawny one, so I'm guessing it's more like a, uh, well, maybe not quite a cub, but a younger bear. Like the bear that walks around with the little uh, igloo um, thing at uh, Wrigley asking for money to get his picture with that kind of bear. I don't know if it's that or like, kind of bear. Or the bear in like a forest bear. But he, I mean, he just had a persona about him. He had this, he was, first of all, he was a big guy. Um, rugged face that those deep cracks in it was like talking to a leather glove. And he had that low gravelly voice that you really had to kind of, even if you were watching him in a television interview, you kind of had to lean in and pay attention to what he was saying, to catch everything that he was saying. And so that kind of made him the focus of a room. Can you imagine him on a recruiting visit sitting down with mother? And he's from a small town in Alabama himself. Actually, I think he might have been from a small town in Arkansas. But he was a small town guy, so 
going and recruiting in all these small towns, he could really relate to the kids who were there. Kind of came from this hard scrabble beginning and became one of college football's most successful football coaches. What does the 323 line up with? That is the number of wins he had in his career. The biggest thing that I'm going to take away is that there's no reason why at an older age you cannot be at your best. It just takes a little more work. And I believed it for a long time, and I, I wasn't getting the results, but I believed it, and I had people believe in me, and it just takes a little more work. So we weren't here on Monday. I had a family matter to attend to. In the meantime, on Sunday, what a day it was in sports, and it was capped by one of the more remarkable accomplishments that we have seen, not only in the sport of golf, I'm going to say sports overall, and that is Phil Mickelson at the age of 50 winning the PGA Championship, oldest man ever to win a major. I'm just wondering, and I realize you might, you don't, have necessarily the grasp on sports history but as you watched that or at least saw that story unfold over social media because social media was replete with it over the weekend what were your thoughts on him doing that i watched a highlight video monday morning early of kind of the final day i was inspired i was inspired by uh it was kind of edgier seat golf Mm -hmm. between Brooks and him. Uh, and there was a couple of holes that uh, Phil had to get himself out of. Um, but I leaned into what he said afterwards and what he had to, what he's had to do to get where he is now. How the game has changed, how he has changed, his body has changed, his focus. Okay, you've done this, but now you want to go a step further. What do you need to do? I just loved him getting into the weeds on his mentality. Well, yeah, because his body has undergone a great transformation. I mean, Phil Phil was the dad bod when he was in his 20s. He was kind of squishy. And along comes Tiger, and of course Tiger is svelte and works out and strong and cranks the ball, and Tiger and Phil kind of developed this rivalry, and it was here's the Here's the strong, young black man going against kind of the squishy white guy. But they both kept enough of a sense of humor about it where it never, it never was an ugly rivalry. Mm -hmm. It was just two different approaches. And I think Phil, as he got into his 40s, realized, I'm not going to compete anymore if I'm still squishy. I've got to do something to tone up my body if I'm going to compete. Because then after Tiger comes, here come the Brooks Kepkas, Big, strong guy. Bryson DeChambeau. Big, strong guy. These guys that crush the ball off the tee. I thought the most amazing accomplishment for Phil over the weekend was on Sunday at 17, his 71st hole of golf for the weekend. He outdrives Brooks Kepka. Yes, I know Kepka's playing with a bum knee. Maybe not getting the push-off that he normally would get. But the fact that he outdrove Brooks Kepka on that critical hole by 10 yards, that was impressive. A lot of impressive shots that last day. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned, 
his focus issues. And he's readily admitted this. Phil has always kind of been an open book. You know, here are my flaws. Love me or hate me, here are my flaws. And one of Phil's flaws is he just loses concentration. You know, he'll he'll drift into another world for a couple of holes, and the next thing he knows, you know, by the time the light switch goes back on, it's like, oh, I've I've put myself in some trouble here. Yeah, warm up the beamer. The day is done. And and he did a great job of fighting through that over the weekend at a very difficult course. I mean, Kiowa Island out there on the outer banks of South Carolina with the wind shifting around, all the water that's in play, all the sand that's in play, that's that's a tremendously difficult course. And he was able to navigate that, especially playing into the wind. If you look at his score on the holes that went into the wind over the four days, as opposed to anybody else, he was the only guy under par going into the wind. And that's probably what made the difference for him in a two-stroke victory. Now, I think about old guys in sports. Okay, Tom Brady, 43, wins the Super Bowl last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, LeBron is no spring chicken. He's put a lot of games on those legs. He won the NBA Finals last year. And now you got Mickelson at 50. I personally think it speaks of the importance of nutrition and conditioning and athletes learning more about that and how to take care of themselves and thus preserving themselves later into their careers. Now, we've seen old guys in sports make runs. You've had guys like, well, Phil Necro, who we dedicated a show to a while back, you know, in his 40s, still pitching in important ball games. Uh, Jamie Moyer pitched till he was 49. Jack Nicklaus won a Masters at the age of 46. So we've seen these kind of moments before, but to have that kind of triumvirate, Brady, LeBron, Mickelson, all excel within this pandemic year, that that kind of points me to the fact that maybe these careers are going to be longer lasting. And don't forget Serena Williams. I mean, Serena Williams is still a force on the women's tennis tournament, and she's in her late 30s as well. You know, we had a little moment uh, in the studio yesterday. How about the 32-year-old gymnast? Yeah. Going to the Olympics, or at least trying Try, for the trying Olympics. Trying to get to the Olympics. I mean, I mean, when was the last time anyone of that age was anywhere near that category? No, that's way past, way past the prime of any yeah. gymnast. And the fact that she's a mom and has a couple of kids and was out there trying. Now, of course, that opens the door to whether we'll actually have an Olympics or not, because that right now looks like a big trouble spot. The United States has placed a travel ban to Japan. Well, that's a problem when the Olympics are scheduled to be held in Japan. And indeed, one of the top Japanese newspapers came out today imploring the International Olympic Committee and the Japanese government to shut it down and not hold the games this year in Tokyo. Mm. Which would be a huge blow not only for the nation of Japan, it'd be a blow, obviously, to these Olympic athletes who have given themselves into training to try to get ready for this, and it would be a huge blow to NBC and its affiliates. Hey, not to go too far past the old man uh, uh, athletes, mm-hmm. 
when you and I were younger, I think when somebody was 50, they were in the grave. In our mind. Yeah. Like, well, I oh, think you're that's old. the case for a lot of kids. But yeah, 50, 50 seemed older than, than it does now. And not just because we're there. But again, I think people have learned more about nutrition and conditioning. And I just like I that. think it's helpful for me to see someone like Phil Mickelson do this as a reminder that at 51, hey, you're not done yet. You're not, you know, you're not yeah. done yet. Whether it be health and eating right and all this stuff like there's still plenty of stuff to do instead of, well, I'll be here at home if you need me. Well, let's face it, the life expectancy of people has really gone up in our lifetimes, whereas I think the average age of death, maybe when we were born, was, oh, around 68 or 69. Now it's more like 78 or 79. Yeah. So from that standpoint, you know, there are plenty of people living to be 100. Speaking of 78, 79, let's talk about Tony La Russa. <laughs> Good segue. White Sox win last night. Tony La Russa now has a win over every Major League Baseball team. He never had a win over the St. Louis Cardinals. Remember when he was managing the White Sox and the A's in the American League, we didn't have interleague play. He went over and he managed the Cardinals. Well, of course, now there are some Cardinal fans who will say, well, he beat the Cardinals a couple of nights with his moves. Nevertheless, he doesn't have an official win over the Cardinals until Monday night. When the White Sox won the opener of that series 5-1. to one. And then last night, what an interesting storyline. You had Lucas Giolito of the White Sox pitching against Jack Flaherty of the Cardinals. They were high school teammates back at Harvard-Westlake High School in California. In fact, there's a third player from that team, that, from that pitching staff, Max Freed for the Atlanta Braves, who is also a big league starter. So imagine this high school baseball team that in one year produces three big league starters. Well, two of them went head-to-head last night. The Cardinals' defense leaves a lot to be desired, and that showed itself in the early innings last night at guaranteed rate. Sox took advantage. They go on to win 8-3. They stay a game and a half in front of Cleveland in the American League Central. Also in that same game last night, Joe West, the Major League umpire, broke the Major League record for most games umpired he is now umpired almost 5700 major league games wow well the stories know, that it, guy has oh absolutely oh i mean write a book man when he's done i'm sure that will be one of the first things they ask him to do is write a book and whether you like joe west or not and he has been controversial and joe west sometimes acts as though he likes himself some joe west there's no question he'll be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. How old is he, ballpark? Joe's got to be in his 60s by yeah. now. Yeah. Comparing him to that 30-year-old the other night uh, behind the plate. 30. And didn't even look 30. And <laughs> seemed to be somewhat overwhelmed by the game. We'll get to that in a minute. But I wanted to mention to you as well. So the White Sox, a game, ahead, game and a half ahead of Cleveland. Did you see the story about Zach Plesak of the Cleveland Indians? I did not. He injured himself taking off his shirt. He went to make an exaggerated as though he were Superman and rip his shirt open. Okay. 
And as he did that, he clanged his pitching hand against a folding chair in the locker room and fractured his thumb. Wow. <laughs> now, the Indians were already shy one pitcher who they just sent down to the minor leagues. Now they're shy two. They got to find ways to fill those spots. And who do they have a doubleheader with Monday? The first place Chicago White Sox. <laughs> so I don't think Zach Plesak has exactly enamored himself to management or his manager, Terry Francona, in any way. Heard lots of bizarre injuries in baseball. This is the latest. Isn't that just horrible when you have an injury and then you've got to tell the embarrassing story of how you did it? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Here's what I was doing in the locker room with my shirt. Hey, look at me. I'm Superman. Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe not. Maybe that chair is made out of kryptonite. Chicago Cubs. Playing well. 14-7 and seven in the month of May. Last night, Jack Peterson, a pair of homers. He's finally starting to swing the bat like the Jack Peterson that we saw in spring training. Remember, he had a terrible April. Then went on the injured list. He came back from that injured list. Maybe it was just the chance to visit us here in South Bend that turned it around. Mm -hmm. Because since he came to South Bend, did a little rehab, and rejoined the big league club, he's been hitting the ball very, very well. I think well over 400 since returning off the injured list. But last night, a two-home run game, Jake Arrieta did not look good in the first inning. Gave up three runs, settled down after that. And this Cubs bullpen, which was the bane of our existence in 2020 has been lights out in 2021. They have now thrown 29 and two-thirds innings without giving up an earned run. You'd have to go back to 1982 for the last time a Cubs bullpen was able to do that. And their they're young arms, their arms that have come up through the Cubs farm system, and I think that gives people hope too. Speaking of arms, who's the guy with the dangly arm that I see? Well, okay. Craig Kimbrell is the does the, the thing. Yeah, the wing out there. He is their closer. He picked up his tenth save of the year last night. What do you think that is? What is that? Just a a habit, a twitch? Do you think that's actually the arm getting ready to do something? And he's what's going on there? I think some of it's theater. Okay, like his thing. Yeah, that's his thing. Years ago, the Cardinals had a reliever named Al Roboski. H-R-A-B-O-S-K-Y, Al Roboski. He was the mad Hungarian. And his whole shtick was he would walk off the back of the mound, kind of give himself a pep talk, slam the ball into the glove, and charge right up onto the rubber. And when he'd slam that ball into the glove, the fans at Bush Stadium would go nuts, and he he had one of these you know Fu Manchu mustaches, and he'd glower in at the hitter. And he was the mad... And I'm getting excited hearing you talk about it now. Yeah. I like it. And and that was his thing. Okay. It, I don't think it's... Over the course of baseball history, it's not that unusual for relievers to kind of have their thing. The Yankees, way back in the 50s, had a guy named Ryan Duran. Ryan Duran had these Coke bottle glasses. I mean, good luck finding the eyes in there when you look at them. And his thing is, he'd come out, and his first warm-up pitch, he was he was Ricky Vaughn. He was Nuke Lelouch. He'd send that thing to the backstop just to let, I don't, you know, 
I can't see the plate that well. Do you really want to step in there against me? Wow. So fascinating. It, it I think I think a lot of it with Kimbrell is psychology. Okay. It, you know, if I can distract the hitter, if I can give him something else to think about. Almost like a tell in the game of cards. Yeah. You know, watching him and if I can give you something else to think about. Yeah. Then I'm in your head, and you're less likely to be able to react to what I'm throwing. Now, the other thing about Craig Kimbrell is his fastball is back. He's at 99 throwing last night, and his curveball's got terrific break on it. So he has he has found himself once again. Okay. The problem I see with the Cubs right now, Corey, is all these injuries. Nico Horner is going to go on the injured list after straining his left hamstring last night. That didn't need to happen. Because you've already got Duffy on the injured list. You've got Hayward on the injured list. We've seen Peterson and Happ go on the injured list. I mean, the Cubs have just had a revolving door going between Iowa and Chicago now with guys getting called up, guys getting sent down. I thought P.J. Higgins last night doing the catching, and he's doing the catching because Austin Romine, who was supposed to be the backup catcher this year, is on the injured list. And Higgins did a great job with Kimbrell in the ninth inning. As we saw in, in extra innings the other night with Contreras, it's not easy to catch a guy that throws like Kimbrell. And if you get crossed up like Wilson did, it's even worse. So... The Cubs are a banged-up group, but they're only a half game behind St. Louis right now in the National League Central. Speaking of the Cubs, you had the chance to experience something other than Boog and J.D. over the weekend. (laughs) You had Joe Buck and John Smoltz on Saturday with Fox, and you had Matt Vazgersian and Alex Rodriguez on Sunday with ESPN. I don't know how much you watched of each broadcast, but did you have thoughts? I, it must be who I follow on Twitter because Saturday, was that an evening game? That was a Saturday night game, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of chatter, and I thought to myself, is there anyone more polarizing than Joe Buck when it comes to announcing right now? Is there anyone that can fire up a Twitter? I like the guy. Oh, I can't stand the guy. Oh, I can't. I mean, and usually those are pretty funny tweets. Mm-hmm. There's some stuff that's said. No, I did not watch. I think, did I see you tweet he was unprepared or it came across that way? No, I, did, I didn't tweet anything about Joe Buck. I texted you back and I said I don't think it was his best night. I don't think he had a very good broadcast. Now, how much of that is flavored in my mind by the fact that I don't think the Cubs... Had a very good game Saturday against the Cardinals. Yeah. I thought David Ross managed a terrible game on Saturday against the Cardinals. Made some very questionable moves in my mind. That said, yeah, Buck wasn't the best. But then when I turn around on Sunday night and watch the ESPN crew, man. I think I watched four innings and... It's amazing what announcing does to a baseball game. Yes. Or overproducing. Yeah. Which ESPN is famous for. 
on just about any event that they do, overproducing. And so now you come back. Is Alex Rodriguez on Sunday night? Yes. Okay, I do remember that. Yeah. Not a fan. No. Nope. So I'm territorial. I want to like Boog. I want to like whoever he's up with. Yeah. I want that to be my team, you know? And then there's a lot of people that just say, forget all of them. I'm going li- to I'm gonna watch the game, but put Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer on. On the radio. On the radio. So, all that said, it, it just, but I think you're not unlike most fans. I think most fans like their guys. The guys that they have for 140 games out of the 162. Mm-hmm. They want their guys telling them what's going on. It's part of the confirmation bias that we have as people. You know, we see this all the time in politics. It's why people tend, they they either watch one side or the other. With our baseball, we want to hear good things about our team. Mm-hmm. You're more likely to hear good things about your team from your guys. You know what that's I, what they're paid to do. You know what I noticed about watching a football game? I'll use that for an example of two teams I don't know. I'd like the announcer to call it down the middle. I don't want to hear the Philly, the Eagles guy calling the game. I'd like to hear. So then that makes me think about the Cubs. Like, I don't ever, I haven't walked away from a broadcast this year where I was like, who that lean Cub heavy. I mean, I know it's their guys, but I felt like I got a good balance of both. I felt that way. I I think it leans Cub heavy, but it's the Cubs broadcast. Yeah. Just like if I'm going to watch Jason Benetti and Steve Stone on NBC Sports Network doing the White Sox, that's going to lean White Sox, Sox heavy. That's just the way it is. And it's going to be that way in all the markets of Major League Baseball. But I think that's why people get perturbed by Joe Buck because Joe Buck's job is to call the game down the middle. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that Joe Buck's from St. Louis. His dad did the Cardinal games forever. So any Cub fan is going to sit there and think, well, Joe Buck is sticking it to my team. Yeah, they're going to read into every right announcement. Now, again, as I said earlier, I don't think he had that great a game on Saturday. But... It was also, I think that was his first game of the year. So. A little bit of rust. Yeah. Yeah. All that said, the South Bend Cubs may be the more entertaining story of the day. What a game last night at Four Winds Field. They fall behind Fort Wayne 7 to nothing. They're starting to make a comeback. They get within 9-6 in the eighth inning, and the Fort Wayne pitcher, says something or or somebody from Fort Wayne says something to South Bend's Delvin Zinn. Delvin Zinn, it, he's been around South Bend now for a while. He's kind of a lighthearted guy. Well, whatever was said must have been over the top because here we go. The punches started flying, the benches cleared, and there was no love lost between the Tin Caps and the Cubs last night once they got everything settled down and by the way for as many punches as were thrown and you can see the video 
on the 46 Sports Twitter page. As many punches as were thrown, nobody was ejected. Nobody was ejected from the game. So they get the parties cooled down, and the Cubs score six in the bottom of the eighth and wind up winning the game 12-10. They're back to 500 after really struggling out of the gate. But here's the kicker. These two teams play each other the next five days in a row at Four Winds Field. So who knows what's going to come of this? Do you think someone of cooler uh, temperature and high up says, let's get these guys at a barbecue, let's squash this? No. Just let them play. It, first of all, you're not you're not gathering them. There's not going to be a kumbaya ceremony. No? No. It's not the way this works. The other thing is, Major League Baseball now governs the minor leagues. So whereas last year, Dick or two years ago when we had minor league baseball. Dick Nussbaum was the president of the Midwest League, and he would have been in charge of reviewing this tape, making suspensions, putting down the hammer on people to calm this down. Now it's going to be somebody in the Major League Baseball office because there is no longer a Midwest League president. It's all controlled by Major League Baseball. So some... How quickly they'll be able to get to this. I was going to say, is that going to happen today? Yeah, I don't know because I don't know what else happened in the 60 other minor league baseball games last (laughs) night or the 15 major league baseball games last night that the Mm. league office has to review. So we'll see when the hammer finally comes down on this, but I can't imagine there won't be suspensions because of this. And... I reached out to Darren Pritchett, who is the voice of the South Bend Cubs, and asked him, do you know what was said? Do you know what triggered this? And he said he he DM'd Delvin's in, and Delvin really declined to get into it. But he does know that um, the South Bend Cubs manager just stared into the Tin Caps dugout after the half inning, which makes me think, it was something really over the top that must have been said to Delvin's in. And you just hope that this doesn't continue for five straight days here. Notre Dame baseball with a big week as they play in the Atlantic Coast Conference Tournament. Link Jarrett was named the Conference Coach of the Year. Corey, I think. Surprise! I think very good chance that he would be the National Coach of the Year. He took a Notre Dame program... That was picked to finish dead last in its division this season and took them to the regular season title. They'll play Virginia Tech today. The way it works in the ACC tournament, you have 12 teams in there, and they'd slice them into pods of three. So it goes one, two, three, four. It snakes around, four plays five, three plays six. So it snakes around, so one is playing eight. And then it goes back to where where five was. So four, five, and nine are in the same pod. The teams that finished first, eighth, and twelfth are in the same pod. So Notre Dame is in the same pod with Virginia and Virginia Tech. Notre Dame, by being the benefit of the higher seed, can go one and one and still make the final four if everybody else in their pod goes one and one. 
Well, yesterday, Virginia played Virginia Tech, and Virginia beat Virginia Tech. So Virginia's 1-0. and Notre Dame hasn't played yet. Virginia Tech's 0-1. Even if Notre Dame loses to Virginia Tech today, all they have to do is beat Virginia on Friday, and they're in the Final Four of the ACC. So that's why today's kind of a meaningless game. They can lose and nothing happens. The game that means something is Friday when they play Virginia. Can we forecast a little bit? Let's say they win the Final Four. Let's say they get into the Final Four, the ACC tournament, and they win the Final Four. They'll, I think they're definitely hosting an NCAA regional no matter what. Okay. But obviously, if they win the ACC championship, they're going to be hosting an NCAA regional here in South Bend. And the question will be, if they play these games on campus at X Stadium, will Notre Dame finally open up the campus and allow people to come watch the games? My question was going to be, they win the ACC tournament, they get into the the big one, how many wins away from winning a national championship? Uh, Let's see. The way a regional works is you would have to win... Uh, three games to win the regional. Then you would go to a super regional. That's best two out of three. That gets you to Omaha, and that's kind of uh, I think you have to win at least four there. So they'd have to win at least nine games to take an NCAA title. It's like late June, right? Yeah, by the time you get to the College World Series, it's mid, mid-June. mid Okay. Yeah. Okay. So long road to hoe. They will get the NCAA tournament pairings on Memorial Day. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, something to play for this week. If you want to make sure that you're going to get a good seed and host one of those regionals, I think they at least have to get to the Final Four, which means that they have to beat Virginia on Friday. Okay. NBA playoffs, you watching any of this? My son gives me updates. I've not been interested enough yet to turn on a game. Nor have I. Nor have I. I get the little updates from him. He's excited about certain things. I'm not interested yet. Lakers came back and beat Phoenix last night, 109-102. Chris Paul did not really play much in the second half. He has a shoulder injury from the collision with LeBron. I don't know if you saw this over the weekend. The first game of the series would have been, I believe, on Sunday. And uh, LeBron and Chris Paul had a had a collision and LeBron went tumbling to the floor also got a finger in the eye Uh, and somebody put up a very interesting graphic that when Kevin Pillar of the Mets took a fastball to the face that broke his nose and left him with two black eyes he was on the ground for 36 seconds Joe Burrow last year had a severe knee injury that ended his season for the Cincinnati Bengals he was on the ground for 70 seconds LeBron caught a finger to the eye and was down on the ground for 80 seconds. And as somebody pointed out, if this is the level of acting we're going to see in Space Jam 2, I don't want to pay my money. (laughs) I saw a LeBron action figure at Walmart for Space Jam 2 over the weekend. Uh, And it's in the form of, you remember Stretch Armstrong? It's one of those. I almost got it for you, but then I thought, why? Exactly. So, <laughs> anyway, this collision that he caught had with Chris Paul, where he caught the <laughs> finger in the eye, apparently. Uh, Chris Paul 
aggravated a shoulder injury that he had coming in, and that shoulder injury was really bothering Chris Paul last night. Couldn't play in the second half. Lakers go on to tie that series 109-102. You ever got a finger in the eye? Yeah, it's not fun. I'm trying to remember. I don't think I have. But it didn't knock me to the ground. For 80 seconds. Yeah. No. You're tougher than that. I might be doubled over. I might be whole. Ah, my eye! But, uh, you know, I'm not writhing around like Fred Sanford. <laughs> it's the big one, Elizabeth! High school tournament week in Indiana. We had girls track regional last night. Culver Academy gets the regional title. They have a distance runner by the name of Lexi Allen, who won both the 1600 and the 3200. Number of local athletes managed to qualify for the state tournament, uh, the state championship, which will be in Indianapolis next weekend. The boys track regional is Thursday night. That's all the way down in Kokomo. Way down in Kokomo. Yeah, I I'd love to go cover some boys track Thursday night, but I'm not I'm not going to Kokomo. I'll monitor that one on the Twitter. Thank you very much. Tennis regionals tonight. You've got a matchup between undefeated Northridge and undefeated Fairfield over in Middlebury for that title. Penn will play St. Joseph over in Laporte for that title. The Indians ranked number two, uh, blitzed. The Kingsmen in the regular season, 5-zip. Bremen has had an outstanding girls' tennis season. They are playing for a regional title tonight as well. I think that one's down at Peru, if I'm not mistaken. And then we've had all kinds of sectional softball action during the week. Northwood has had itself a very good week. This is a team that struggled during the regular season in softball, but they Upset West Noble in nine innings, 5-4. They beat the host school Jimtown 13-11, so it's Northwood and Wawasee for a 3A sectional title. St. Joe will play New Prairie tomorrow night for a 3A sectional title. Penn was able to hold off a Gutty Adams team last night, and Addie Coyce threw a three-hitter and won it 2-0, so the Lady Kingsman will take on Laporte in that sectional final for a softball sectional championship. So some great high school action all around the area. And then the baseball sectionals will start at the end of this week and carry over into next week. Okay. Okay. Now, as I've got you here, we've got our one-hit wonder tournament that we've been doing. Yes. Didn't know if you wanted to update people on where things stand. Oh, I want to. Let's go go back a couple of days. One Hit Wonder Championship. This is five days ago. Jump by Chris Cross, a 63% win over the hustle. Uh, one day ago, come on, Eileen. No real big surprise there. 70% win over Lean on Me, the Club Nouveau version, the 80s version, which was number one. Today, a little lopsided already. Not a big surprise. Bad Day by Daniel Powder. She had a bad day. Yes. Taking on Sukiyaki from way back in the day. Caillou Sakamoto, not going well for Sukiyaki. Those videos, both, if you're like, I don't know that I know either one of those songs, are on the Sports Yak Twitter. First of all, the fact that his name is Caillou predispenses me not to like him anyway because I couldn't stand that kid on PBS. I, <laughs> it's oh, not spelled the same. It's not spelled the same. It's, it's a little okay. different. <laughs> Do you ever have to watch that show? You know what? Um, 
I have a different vibe about that only because it's no. part of what I've missed out in my children's lives. I wasn't there for any of the morning stuff because of the job I have. Okay. So I missed Clifford. I missed the the Wild Kratz brothers. I missed, uh, who's this guy? Caillou? Yeah. Well, Clif- Arthur. Let me tell you, three of the four that you mentioned, not bad. Caillou, he sucks. What was it about him? <laughs> He's annoying. He's the most annoying kid that's ever been on television. Caillou, overrated. How about the theme song? Worse. Was it? Yeah. All right. I won't go do my homework then. Caillou. No. Isn't that your ringtone? I could have sworn I've heard that. one-haired kid off my TV. Oh, a little bit of a Charlie Brown vibe. Oh, yeah. Except far more annoying than Charlie Brown. Overrated, underrated. Here we go. Eugene Levy. Massively underrated. Massive. I agree. You, He is a great example of when you bought into the, okay, what's everybody talking about with this Shit's Creek show? Then you watch the show. My wife and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. But then I said, honey, we got to watch Best in Show. Well, what's that? Well, we also got to go watch... Um, uh, a mighty wind. Well, what's that? I said, this guy's been around for a long time. This sitcom's finally opened the door to, you got to go back and do your homework. With Cheaper that guy. by the dozen two, I want to say. Mm-hmm. With Steve. American Pie? He yeah. was the oh, dad? Yeah. I Funny. Mean, underrated, though. He's terrific. Yeah. I, I would say underrated. And then go back to some of the stuff on SCTV. Yeah. When he was there with Candy and the rest of that crew. Some true improv stuff on that show. Yes. Of like, here's the situation, and we're just going to let it ride and see what happens. He played the host of High Q. High Q? <laughs> I think I remember that now. Yes. Yeah. So Eugene Levy, we both agree, massively underrated. Mm-hmm. Snoop Dogg. You know, we were talking yesterday morning about artists who've changed their name. For one reason or another. John Denver got brought up in the room, who's, I had no idea that wasn't his real name. Yeah. Snoop Dogg, here's, here it is. That's not his real name. He was big in what? He was, it doesn't say Snoop and D O double G on the birth certificate? It does not. What? He was a big fan of Snoopy, obviously, and his grandmother gave him that nickname. You know, with everything he's got his fingers in TV and music and movies. He's an acquired taste. He kind of shows up and does his thing. I will admit, I bought the first two records. I haven't since. Um, A little overrated. He's overrated, but I give him credit. He has almost embraced becoming a parody of himself. Okay. You I'm know? with you on that. Yeah. The, the whole, the Corona ads. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen him when he... He is a big hockey fan. He's a big sports fan. Yeah. And he is a big L.A. Kings fan. Big coach, too. Yeah. Little League stuff. But L.A. Kings hockey, they'll have him up into the booth like once a year, and it is some of the most hilarious stuff to watch you'd ever see. Yeah. Because he's just, he's he's in character <laughs> and just calling a hockey game. It's It's so... It's just a juxtaposition of things. I'll give you a little uh, behind the curtain on Snoop Dogg. Yeah. He made a gospel record 
about five years ago, a full-on faith-based gospel record. And the label that he's on has a branch label that we work with quite a bit. And so that album comes out. I reach out to my label rep and said, hey, can I get a copy of this? I just want to hear what's going on. He told me that the president was invited out to the dog pound compound to hear the record and and uh, see how the how the magic happens. And the label president came back and said, I've never in my life seen a more state-of-the-art air ventilation system than in that studio. Probably much needed. With what is going on out there. <laughs> with the amount of what he saw and the, the ventilation clearing the room, he said that was state-of-the-art. Sure it is. I'm sure it is. Because he thought, I'm going to walk into a cloud of smoke, and I'm going to have the biggest contact high of my life. Mm -hmm. You couldn't tell because of the suction. I give him props for kind of embracing this this role, per se. Yes. I would would agree with you. I think he's overrated. Overrated. Yes. Hopefully people won't think that about this episode, which may be a little lengthy, but filled with goodness. (laughs) Well, sometimes when we have a couple days off, we have a lot to say. Or to talk about. Unfortunately, sports gave us much to talk about. That, that to me, was the big thing from over the weekend. I loved seeing fans back at the game. Did you like the part where they surrounded Phil walking to the, the hole? Visually, I did. If I, I can understand why Brooks Kepka was ticked off about that. First of all, he's got a bum knee. Second, it's like every South Carolina State trooper surrounded Phil, and they kind of forgot about Brooks and his caddy. You know why? I think we, we society, has forgotten how to act when we've gotten together at something like that. Emotions were running high. You know, it was like watching freaking Happy Gilmore on the last hole, you know? I I thought for a moment they might rush the green like they did at the end of Caddyshack. Explosions. Yes. Gophers flying. <laughs> I was waiting for that. You're on Twitter, right? I am at 46 Sports. Follow the One Hit Wonder Championship voting at Sports Yak with two Ks. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Bear Bryant, who kind of sounded like this. And, uh, We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.